He was here 15 years ago in the NBA, man. Freaking NBA All-Star MVP every year. If he was 15 years ago. It just fortunately we're in a guard top three league right now. And just it's unfortunate. But he's such a good guy. I hope I hope they just cheer the crap out of him. I hope he feels like I hope he realizes how loved he was um, here in Utah. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm guessing they'll probably play the tribute video before the game even starts. And so that'll make a lot of jazz fans get in their feelings. And uh, I don't see a lot of people booing him, if any. And I think the same thing will go for Donovan. I know um, the comments are a little bit different that have been out in the media as far as Gobert and Donovan lately. But I mean, when, once you get in the arena, they play the tribute video. Uh, all those memories come flooding back of the playoffs. And I mean, the, the biggest one that stands out is these two, uh, that last game they won where Donovan throws the lob to Rudy Gobert and he dunks it home for the win. Uh, I, I think most fans will cheer for both of these guys, but Rudy's a little bit different just because he was with us for so much longer. Uh, it really felt like our coaching staff and development staff um, not made him because he, I mean, you have to have a certain mentality to progress like he did every year. But uh, we saw something in him. We drafted him and, you know, he progressed in the Utah Jazz system into the player he is now. So um, it's great to see. And uh, I'm really excited. It, it almost feels like the Jazz are trying to give this win to him <laughs> because Lowry's out. Um Simone Fantecchio's out. Colin Sexton's out. Uh, luckily, we get Col- uh, Colin or uh, Mike Conley back uh, on restricted minutes. Nikhil Alexander Walker still getting the start over him, but uh, yeah, it should be should be a fun night in Salt Lake City. Colin, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and approve your request and give the mic over to you. What are what are your thoughts? Let let them all flow. Uh, he's still connecting. He's on the East Coast. He's got to shoot up to the satellite. Okay, you're good. Hello? Yep, we hear you. Yeah, that took forever to connect. I was just watching it go in circles for Yeah, that was weird. Um, I'm excited. I think that it's going to be a lot of fun. That just really sucks that you didn't get to a babysitter. I mean, how last second was it? It must have been really last second because I would have been scrambling to find one. Just anybody. You so... Know, anybody yeah, my friends, my friends, mother-in-law has season tickets. I've gone to a few games because sometimes she'll just give them away. But she posted, "Hey, I'm selling them," and I, I around three o'clock said, "Hey, I'll buy them." And then she said, "Okay." So I was scrambling for a babysitter for like two Wait, hours. You didn't even text me. You didn't even text me. <laughs> well, I didn't even think of you because I, I like. You would have wanted to go to the game. I'm not going to be like, hey, I'm going to go to the game without you. Will you babysit my kids? Oh, I wouldn't do that to you. You asked first. <laughs> no, I honestly didn't even think about it. We were. We, my wife is at home. We usually have uh, like go to babysitters, but everyone's just crazy right now with the holidays. Everyone had plans. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was just like, yeah. It also doesn't help that it's a Friday. What was that? It also doesn't help that it's a Friday. Yeah. 
Yeah, everybody, it was just too last minute, so I'm here. Um, I probably want to be doing this podcast if I was at the game, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I'm here. But anyways... Yeah, like you said, um, that I don't. I wouldn't be worried about a single person booing him, only because that if a single person booed him, the people next to them would you probably whoever booed him in there would probably get punched in the face, knowing the jazz, <laughs> how much the Jazz fans love him. Um, and I think that um, it, it's a little bit more iffy for Donovan, but I think that once everyone sits down and same way tonight, once you watch the video. And, you know, the, the four or five years that we had Donovan, all the memories that we made. And um, it's not like he – see, with Donovan, is like I still wouldn't – like people are kind of treating it like Hayward. It's not really like Hayward. Hayward screwed the Jazz, like actually screwed the Jazz. People had a right to be mad. At the same, at the same time, Donovan Mitchell never said – like people can criticize Donovan because he did never say that he wanted to stay here. He never said – I mean, he said that, like, he like he basically said like he never asked out. You know what I'm saying? He never said he didn't want to be here, but he never openly. You know those those, those there's those players that are like like Dame for example that are on Twitter being like, oh I'm a Blazer for life that kind of thing. So you don't even question it. He let all those rumors bubble up. But at the end of the day, Donovan gave us a good five years and we had a lot of fun with them and we got a really good trade for him. And so there's no for me there's no reason to be bitter. It's not like Hayward where you know, he's a free agent, and he doesn't tell anyone, and the Jazz gets through because they can't sign anyone, and then all of a sudden the Jazz kind of are left in a purgatory. No, we got a really good star who actually might go to the All-Star game this year in Lori. And then we got, you know, a few first-round picks, and then we got their first-round pick this year. And so I don't know. I think that every, I think that once everyone watches the videos, everyone's going to cheer on both ends. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited for tonight. Um, if I was there, I... I I'm going to be honest with you, I've never been the biggest Rudy Gobert fan. But he was here for nine years, and I would definitely, definitely cheer for him. Because even though I wasn't – because the only reason I wasn't huge on him is because I just didn't – like like uh, Kevin said, I mean, 15 years ago, he would have been a uh, easy, like – he'd be an MVP candidate every year. He would have been a real MVP candidate every yeah. year. Yeah. Every year. But it's just – and I – but, like, the last five years, and the writing was kind of on the wall about his play style. And I really do hope he figures it out in Minnesota. And I feel like there's a team somewhere that could work really well with him. And I feel like if he did get shipped off to Minnesota to maybe a team that wasn't good, he'd instantly be a huge impact player and then be, a, be an all-star again. Um, I think that there's so many colliding personalities on Minnesota that it doesn't, it's just so hard for him to kind of fit in and do his thing. And then now the pressure is mounting, so it becomes even harder. But um, I'd still, you know, like I said, I'd still cheer for him there. And I, I think everyone in the stadium is. I think it's going to be really, really loud. You know, whether whether it's him getting blocked or him blocking someone else, it's just going to be cheers. You know, no matter what. So yeah, I, I saw an interesting tweet uh, today. I'm sure you guys could guess who tweeted this out, but I'm not going to say who it was. But they said, oh, I know. Uh, Rudy go or we screwed Rudy Gobert like like (laughs) like the Jazz or like Gordon Hayward screwed the Jazz and I thought well not really because we drafted him in the first place we uh, built him into the player that he was he he became 
you know, a, an all-star and a defensive player of the year here. Um, so I don't think that it, it's the same. But a, another thing that you've got to think about with kind of the dysfunction in Minnesota is Rudy didn't choose to go there. Um, yep. So, you know, it, depending when he becomes a free agent and actually gets to choose where he goes, maybe that's when we see him get back to form or maybe he his style of play just by that time is no longer in the league. Um, I know that he got burned quite a few times with with teams um, trying to pull him out of the middle and whoever he was guarding shooting threes in the playoffs. But um, what I really want to hit on, because uh, I, I just think Rudy is unique in the way that he developed every single year. I felt like every single year he got better and didn't really digress, and that's hard for these players to do especially once they get paid, they kind of take their foot off the gas. But I wanted to ask you guys, what is your favorite Rudy Gobert moment that stands out? I'm going to let you guys go first and see if you guess one of mine. But uh, JC's Drip, welcome. If you want to want to hop in on this conversation, feel free to request. But uh, Down or Kevin, I'll let you guys go first. Or sorry, Colin or Kevin. Kevin, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Go for it. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to pick. Yeah, my moment is is recent, and it's when everyone was talking crap about Rudy Gobert. He can't guard the perimeter. He's going to get exposed in the playoffs, and then game two against the Clippers, he blocks the game-winning shot on the perimeter and wins us the game. Yeah, on, I believe, easily. one of the Morris brothers. Yep, easily. That's easily my favorite moment. And I don't know, because that in that moment, once we went 2-0 up, which is so sad, I thought we are going to the NBA Finals. We are going <laughs> to the NBA Finals. We are two up, and we all know what happened next. We lose four in a row, and the dreams are over, and the course of the Jazz is forever changed because they are choke artists, and we knew they were choke artists, and that's what they do. But yeah, I don't think you were the only that- one that felt that way that we were gonna t- to make it because we were so close the year before, and really it was like you know if we can just make it out of the first round. Um, I think even jazz management thought that, right? Like we really didn't give up until uh, we were, we were knocked out of the playoffs. And to be honest, that team probably had the talent, but they just weren't able to put it together with the chemistry and uh, who knows what else was going on behind the scenes in the locker room. But uh, it's, it's unfortunate because we had so many different close chances, even in the bubble, when Bogey missed that shot, um, I mean, it, it, it was... Conley or Bogey? Sorry? Conley's, was it Conley or Bogey? I, thought, I think it was Conley's shot that rattled out. Yeah, I rem- oh, out. maybe it wasn't in the bubble. I remember bo- one of Bogey's shots being the last shot uh, that missed, and I, you're probably right, Conley had one too. But we had... Conley, yeah, Conley against the Nuggets, it, it hit both parts of the rim and then bounced out. Yeah, we, we had... A really good run with this team. I think a lot of fans fell in love with the team um, because, you know, we were we were number one seed in the entire league one year, and you can't help but think this is a There's championship a team. Now. What was that? There's a trophy for that one now too. Yeah, Did we we that? missed out on that. <laughs> The one trophy we could have had. <laughs> uh, but, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a fun team. There's good memories. There were times that Rudy Gobert had incredible games along with Donovan Mitchell. And uh, it's an era I think once we look back at uh, we'll, we'll miss in a weird way. But uh, I think a lot of fans are also excited for the future. I know I posted a, a stat about uh, Walker Kessler. There are only 52 other rookies in NBA history that averaged five points, five rebounds, and one and a half blocks. All of them played over 20 minutes or averaged 20 minutes a game. And Walker Kessler is averaging those numbers in 15 minutes per game. So uh, as sour as it is to see Rudy on another team and uh, wish that he was here still, I I just feel like Kessler may be the best piece that we have gotten from that trade. And we, we still haven't even made uh, the draft picks that we got from this Minnesota trade. So in order for him not to be, we'd have to draft someone better than Kessler, which more power if we can do that. But I just feel like Kessler to, to find a replacement for Rudy Gobert could have probably been the best option for us. If that's what we're trying to do. I agree with you and then disagree with you just because I don't think we needed to replace Rudy. I think we needed to change our team to match what the league is doing, which is small ball, run the ball, pass the ball. Um, But if Kessler can put the ball in the hoop, you know, he's a valuable asset. Um, My favorite moment, y'all are going to laugh. My favorite moment is the microphone debacle. (laughs) I like that. that. I love it. Um, I know that, Donovan got all butthurt and that it put the league all in a tissy. But, but to me, that defines who Rudy is. Um, just the, I don't give a shit, fun loving kind of guy. And anyone who, and that's, I think what bothered me so much about, I think the bother me. I think that's when I really realized that Donovan and Rudy did not have a relationship because anybody who really understood and knew who Rudy is, knows that he never, ever would have done anything like that if he thought anybody would be hurt by it. He was just trying to be funny and joke around. And the fact that Donovan didn't understand that just really showed me that he didn't know who Rudy was and had no interest in knowing him at all, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a good point because, like, at at that time when that happened, nobody freaking knew that it was going to blow up into what it did. And really... That'll go down in jazz history, too. The game that was canceled against uh, was Oklahoma. I I remember Chris Paul was there. I think it was Oklahoma. Yeah, it was Oklahoma. And so, yeah, it's a great point that, you know, if Donovan couldn't see that Rudy was joking around at that, um, maybe he just didn't ever want to get to know Rudy's personality. Um, My favorite moment. Sorry, my kids are in here wreaking havoc. Um, my favorite moment of Rudy, it's, <laughs> I think it shows his passion and his fire and, uh, wasn't, well, I guess it was kind of on the court, but when he, I don't know if he got thrown out or had some bad calls and coach subbed him out, but <laughs> he, 
when he slapped that water off of the scores table. <laughs> and uh, I, I love that one too. Yeah, I, I believe it's a gif, and it just shows you like how competitive he is and how much he takes a game seriously, and to just go out so frustrated and just put a full body swing into that. He he might be able to get on a. ESPN where they do the slap boxing challenges or the slap boxing matches <laughs> and and beat somebody I feel like getting slapped by Rudy Gobert especially with his his wingspan would uh knock some people out but um yeah that was my favorite one I just it's been a gif and uh or a, a gif however you want to say it I say gif um it's it's just a a funny memory but also one that that kind of shows his personality on how much he cares um, any other memories as we're talking about it that that you can think of that run through your mind with with Rudy? I think one for me is when he he won the Defensive Player of the Year and uh, when he won it for the third time in a row. You know, like any time he'd score, or get a block, the the. Uh, the bench would just be calling him three time and. Um, I think he worked really hard to get that. I think he took a lot of pride in the defensive end, um, maybe because he knew he wasn't that great offensively, or maybe he just didn't get the correct opportunity. But uh, the the three defensive players, uh, three years in a row, I mean, I don't know how many players have ever done that. Yeah, um, I do also think that if we're going to – I think Kevin said something about um, – just to clarify, wasn't it three and four years, not three in a row? Could be. I was questioning was, that one I when I said it. <laughs> it should have been four in a row. It should have been four in a row for sure. He should not have. Giannis should not have won it over him. But Giannis won it because Gobert won it so many times. Yeah, and that was that was the year that Giannis got MVP too. Yep. Yeah. Voter fatigue. I mean, even last year, who won it? Marcus Smart, or was that who won it? Yeah, I think Marcus Smart did win it last year. I don't know about that one. Yeah, I think the voter fatigue comes into play. It's it's even, you know, some people make that debate when Carl Malone won MVP and felt like Michael Jordan still should have won it. Um, I, I think it does play a role. And, you know, if you've won it so many years, then you like need to be exceeding last year's expectations. Even if they were the exact same numbers as last year, you, you know, People just don't like to vote for the same players. And that's the thing, yeah. If you if you did win it the year before and your numbers don't improve, even if they're still the best, you probably weren't aren't going to win it again if someone's kind of up there with you, even just barely. So, also, I think it was the they wanted to give it because it's been so long since a perimeter player had won it, and everyone was crying and crying for a perimeter player to win it, so they gave it to Marcus Smart. And... Yeah, and and Marcus Smart's a, a great. He's probably one of the best on ball defenders on the perimeter so i mean you can't argue it too much but it's hard to to give it to him you know when rudy gobert is putting up the numbers that he was now as far as tonight like the tribute video do you can you real fast can you imagine those two playing on the same team can you imagine how good Rudy would be if he actually had a guard who wanted to play defense in front of him well, and we had Royce O'Neal, but then it once Royce signed his contract, it just seemed like he he let off the gas too. He he 
in my mind, isn't even that good of a defender, or at least last year wasn't that great of a defender. And I think a lot of those guys' mindset was Rudy's behind me, so I don't need to put in the effort on on the defensive end. Um, my other thought was, I I really wanted to go to the game just to see the tribute video. They've got a broadcast says, don't you think? At least locally, the the tribute video. No, okay. I mean, they might. Um, I want to say that I've seen other tribute videos before, or at least on YouTube afterwards. So I think you'll be able to see it. I'm on AT and T Sportsnet right now. I'm 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 just hoping instead of playing a freaking commercial, they show it because. I'm sure there's other fans besides me that want to see it. I don't know. Uh, Colin, do you watch your games on League Pass? Yeah, I watch them on League Pass, yeah. I yeah. can't watch local. I mean, I doubt they'll they'll do it on that. So uh, No, I think they will because they did. They did, uh, like I said, a few years ago, I was on League Pass, and they showed Derek Favors. Oh, really? Returned. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. So I think they will. Okay, Speaking cool. of which, I'm probably going to get off now so I can go make sure I don't miss it, but. Okay. Uh, it was fun talking to you, and I will join after the game because I'm going to watch the whole thing. So. Yeah, I just wanted to do this. I thought it was a fun night, so I'm going to hop off too, and we will see you guys all after the game. So go Jazz. If we can pull this one off without all our players out, that'd be awesome. But, uh, yeah, if if Rudy has a great night, I think that would also be fun to watch. So uh, go Jazz. We'll see you guys after the game. The Utah Jazz lose to the Minnesota Timberwolves in Rudy Gobert's return to the Great Salt Lake City. Uh, Rudy finishes with 22 points, uh, led the Minnesota Timberwolves in plus-minus. He's plus 15, 13 rebounds, um, shot 8 for 11, 72% from the field. And, yeah, I mean, it wasn't really like an overwhelming game by anybody on either team. I know Russell went off there. Uh, the Jazz dropped into their zone. Uh, I, I think we were depleted with no Lowry Markinen, no Colin Sexton, no Simone Fontecchio, minute, minuted limit or minuted limits, limit, limited minutes by uh, Mike Conley. And we just look desperate on the defensive end. Um, I don't feel like Minnesota's really that great of a team. You can kind of see why they're, they've got a losing record. Um, nobody from our team really stepped up. Clarkson finishes with 21 points. Mike Conley was extremely nice to have him back and just the presence that he brings, the calmness the control on the court offensively. Um, but it seemed like he struggled to have someone to run the pick and roll with. He ran it a few times with Vanderbilt, which, I mean, ah, Vanderbilt, man. Vanderbilt, if you notice, like, doesn't really try, and then all of a sudden he was trying really hard in the last 24 seconds when the game was over. Um, he just is on the floor all of the time. Like, he is on the floor more than he's on his feet, I feel like. Um, I want to welcome our new guest, Landon. 
he is the master of creating these beautiful new lavender mock-ups. So, uh, Landon, I, I'd like for you to speak if you can request. I've got Kevin ahead of you. JC's Drips here again. Uh, we've got a new listener, looks like Preston Buckley. Welcome. Utah As, I've seen you around. I, <laughs> oh, Hardy's on. I like your profile picture with uh, Clarkson throwing up the squaring up from last game. So let's turn this over to, to Coach real quick. Hang on, where's my mouse? A lot of them were good looks. Um, didn't make enough from there. I think the guys responded in the second half. Uh, did a very good job um, with the zone. You know, mixing it up in the second half. Obviously, in the fourth quarter, um, we didn't do a good enough job locating D'Angelo Russell as he got hot. Um, but that's stuff that we'll look at on film. But I think overall, you know, a, a tough game shooting the ball. Um, but our guys stayed in it and didn't quit. Um, so on to Denver. For some of the, the three-point looks, you said a lot of them were good, but a lot of them also were felt like early in the shot clock. Are mm -hmm. you okay with that? Yeah, I think we have plenty of capable shooters that, you know, some of those ones like Kelly trailing, um, some of the transition kick-ahead threes, I think, you know, those are shots that we're looking for. Um, you know, there's always moments where when they miss, it feels like, ah, that was rushed. We could have gotten something better. But, um, you know, Minnesota's a, a good team, and it's not always guaranteed that you're going to get a better look later in the clock. So um, we trust our guys to make those decisions, um, you know, when to shoot and when to pass. And some of those early looks, you know, when we make them, everybody says, you know, wow, it's great pace and, um, you know, way to look for for those early threes. So um, we'll go back and watch them as a staff and, and discuss them. But I think, you know, in any NBA game, it's hard to get off, you know, 30, 35, 40 perfect threes. Um, so I, I never felt in the game like we took two or three, like, bad threes in a row. Um, just a, a tough night shooting the ball. Did you think that, you know, yeah, it's hard. You expend a lot of energy when you're down 15 to get back into the game. Um, you're playing against the best players in the world, and so you leave yourself susceptible to a good player like D'Angelo Russell you know, getting hot and, and making a few in a row. Um, you know, I think our, our energy was was great in the second half. I think at the end of the first half, it uh, wasn't where it needed to be. Um, you know, our guys never quit, but, um, you know, you can't put yourself in that spot over and over again. I don't think we have, but, um, you know, if you're down 15 in the NBA, it takes a lot of energy. To, to come back and so sometimes at the end of the game you just don't quite have the the juice to get over the top what did you think about the defense on overall? I thought it was great until it wasn't um, <laughs> you know he was 0 for 3 from 3 going into the fourth quarter um, you know zone tests your communication and I think for the most part our communication was was good we just had a, a couple possessions where 
we lost him and we were about a half second late getting there and um you know he's a he's a really good shooter um you know i think up to that point he was he had scored some baskets in the mid-range um which don't necessarily bother me i think uh, making guys work for those um is not a huge issue but um you know, when you when you do go to zone, you have to be able to, to locate guys and try to take away the catch and shoot threes. I think that's the probably the toughest part for me is that I felt like of those six, he hit one right in front of our bench that was off the dribble. Um, trying to remember if there was another one that was off the dribble, they felt like it was a lot of catch and shoot threes. Um, so if I had any complaint, it would be that. But. Um, you know, up until then, I think we did a pretty good job making him work. I thought Nikhil was good, um, you know, getting into the ball early in the game. So we'll go back, watch the zone. You know, it's it's going to continue to be a part of our identity. Um, it's a good way for us to to mix up the game, and I thought the guys did a great job of it. Gobert took the, that shot at the end, the unguarded one when the game was already basically over. What did you think about that? It was a nice layup. <laughs> yeah. He now has 22 points. Played a great game. It was a nice layup. That's he's, the extent of my He's trying not to laugh play. right now. <laughs> we got more jazz post game on the way. Big T throw Bailey joins us in just a moment. Malik Beasley knocking down the three. A little shimmy in front of the Wolves bench. That was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> Coach says it was a nice layup, and you could tell he was trying not to laugh at the the question. <laughs> um, uh, that kind of got me off track, but uh, really the highlight of the game was the shimmy by Beasley. Uh, before the game started, I thought, man, Beasley needs to, ha- you know, he needs to be one of those guys that is going to score a lot. He finishes with twenty three points. Shoots 50% from the field, 41% from three. Uh, Let's see, two steals, four rebounds. I mean, I'll take that from Beasley. Um, I I just, when you go, when you drop into that zone, I'm not opposed to zone, and that zone actually works for us at times. But what I think players don't realize is they need to work harder than they do in man in order for those shots not to be taken by D'Angelo Russell or at least make him dribble past you. But when a guy's on fire like that and you're sitting in a zone, like you got to sprint out to the player to make him make a different decision. So, uh, Lennon, I saw that you uh, finally requested. I'm going to go to Kevin first, and then we're going to hop over to you. So, Kevin, are you there? Yeah. First off, I say this every post game. They gotta fire that girl. She asks the dumbest questions. Who? Every who is it? I don't. I don't know. At first, I thought it was Holly, but it's not. It's not her voice. It's, it's not Sarah else. Todd, is it? I don't know who it is, but she literally asks the dumbest questions at the end of every podcast. <laughs> it's not podcast, yeah. but end of every interview. It's so stupid. Anyways, um, stat of the game: zero blocks for the Utah Jazz. Not one for the entire team. Yeah, and and Kessler got in foul trouble in the beginning. I know that Vando had about double the minutes that him than he did at halftime, and uh, I think that kind of hurt us. But I don't think 
Kessler or not ha- having Kessler or not having him would have made that big of a difference tonight. Well, it was nice. It seems like um, seems like Hardy's taken the training wheels off Kessler, which has really been kind of nice. He's not pulling him out when he gets dominated by the big men because I'll be honest, Gobert took him to school today. Um, it wasn't even pretty for Kessler, but um, but he put him back in there, let him face against Gobert. Um, hopefully he learns some things and he can come out and play, continue to play well against the big guys because he's struggled so far this this season against the big guys. Yeah, I would. I, I, I just think the Jazz wanted to give Gobert a win at home. They just didn't. Their heart wasn't in it tonight. It kind of felt like that, especially with just all these players dropping off. I don't know. Is it crazy, or did it just seem like Conley and Clarkson were just chucking the ball up? Like they weren't. It didn't feel like they were really setting their feet. Like I kept watching Clarkson take those like fade to the side, fade away threes, and I'm like, just set your feet, homie, and take the shot. Yeah, it was it was definitely a weird game. Just not that engaging. Uh, I think the fans were wanting to be, but like I said, the the Beasley three and the Shimmy was probably the most they got engaged. Um, I would go on a limb and say that was probably Walker Kessler's worst game of the season. He got seven rebounds, but he just looked a step behind on everything. And I think you're right. I think Gobert totally handled him and maybe there's a little bit of pressure for him to perform again since he had that first game against Gobert that was actually really really good um, yeah I think that was as bad as the Clipper game I, w- I would say that Clippers game was the worst one I've seen this year but I think this was a struggle too like when he was up against Zubots like he really struggled yeah yeah I like seeing Ochai get in there he hit a big three uh Rudy Gay was rough to watch tonight I mean if he's not hitting his threes he went 0 for 4 uh and 1 for 7 shot 14 percent it's I mean what you know what is he good for he's he's not doing anything else if he's not hitting shots that like affect the game in my opinion um Taylor Horton Tucker finally got to play again he played 10 minutes you know nothing overwhelming nothing underwhelming like just didn't notice anything really um Lennon I'm gonna go over to you um if you want to talk about these awesome jerseys and where you kind of come up with the well I know where you came up with the lavender one but uh if you haven't seen Landon's created these lavender jerseys um there's a lavender hoodie that that Ryan Smith was wearing and he mocked up some really nice jerseys. I reposted them. But uh, let's go over to Landon. What are your thoughts on the game? And uh, are you trying to get hired by the Jazz to design us some some new jerseys? <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely take uh, that opportunity. <laughs> um, that's uh, unfortunate. I don't know how easy that is. But uh, it's more of just a hobby. Obviously, I'm a big-time fan. Um, been a fan my whole life. So, um just uh as far as the game going tonight um it just i agree with what's been said about walker kessler he looked a step behind he looked like a rookie to me um but i guess that's what happens when you've got the you know three-time defensive player of the year facing off against you and his return to where he you know the history that he's had here in utah so um, even then though, I still feel like there was a lot of 
stuff I didn't like. I didn't. I really didn't like JC's play the first half. I uh, thought it just didn't seem sloppy, and um, I realized you know Mike coming back, uh, the roles change a little bit again. Uh, but just not a good game, not a great game. Um, other than Malik Beasley's performance, I thought was great. Uh, and I still just, I don't know, good to have Rudy Gay back as big of a body as he is, but uh, underperformed as well, I believe. So, um, yeah, that's as far as, as the game goes. Um, in regards to the jersey mock-ups, um, I've been, I mean, I'm not a graphic designer per se. I'm a marketing specialist. And so I have a background in some design work in specifically real estate, but this is just something that I really enjoy. Um, when all the hustle and bustle is going on about the new jerseys, I believe it was even before, um, I, it could have been after they were released, but, um, somebody had ran into Ryan Smith. He's wearing that Jersey. They took a picture. He showed him a bunch of what's to come the future of, of, uh, jazz basketball in, in regards to design and jerseys and things like that. And I just remember thinking, holy crap, we could use a jersey that color. And so it's, it's stuck with me for a long time. It's nagged me for a long time. And I don't know what made me pull the trigger today, but finally got onto it and started messing with it. And um, had a, I've always had a couple ideas swirling. So I did like a icon jersey, an association jersey with that lavender color mixed with our um, OG purple and white. Uh, and then, uh, I did a statement Jersey as well. Added a little bit. One of the colors that jazz is util- that the jazz have utilized in the past is that copper color, usually with a black. Yeah. Um, and I, f- I just freaking love that color because it's very unique. Uh, reminds me of like our roots, you know, our new Orleans roots with uh, brass band or things like that. Yeah, I uh, I just bought a hat with the the snowflake with the snowball in it. It it's all black with the brass color, and mm. I think a jersey with just black and brass would be awesome. Yes, I, one of the ones I did put together was that snowflake uh, logo that the Jazz have made. I did an all, I found an all copper one. Um, and made like a city edition. So a giant copper snowflake basketball logo right in the center there with some uh, black. It's black with copper and white accents. Um, so far, that's actually my favorite jersey, even more than the two lavender ones. Cool. Um, but I did do another a statement jersey. With did you release those copper ones? Copper. Yeah, I, okay. I think my last tweet... Um, I, I, I think I pre- was a little preemptive because I put out an all black and excuse me, an all white and purple statement Jersey tweet. And then I quote tweeted it myself and kind of showed what, what I, what direction I was really trying to go with my finished product. Well, um, with those lavender jerseys, I think it's spot on because it kind of serves to like women. I think the, the women would be attracted to that i know it's my one my grandma's like favorite color she's has her walls painted in her bedroom that color and it's also (laughs) something where it's like there's not any nba jerseys with lavender that i can think of it is a feminine color per se like you know on that spectrum but i think that it 
is a beautiful color and i think that it's a unique color yeah but you're still uh, keeping like the original purple theme and then when you add the the og purple with the lavender i just think it looks awesome so i think i think it would appeal to a lot of people and uh if you put the mountains in there then you you bring back the john and carl era so mm -hmm. I, I i love it if you guys haven't checked it out go check it out um i know you have your twitter pay or profile and then your um like uniform profile do you want to um shout those out so people can go follow them so i don't have a uniform profile uh, oh i thought you did sorry I, no, I don't. I just have mine, which is LJ underscore Rennie. Um, but I um, have done stuff in the past with um, Jazz Uniform Mockup. Or, yeah, yeah, Jazz Uniform Mockup and uh, the Colonel, if you know him. I've we, mm -hmm. uh, We've kind of gone back and forth on some stuff. So, um, yeah, just excited and glad to be in the in the circle with everybody and, and be able to put out some stuff that hopefully you guys like. And if Ryan wants to give me a call and yeah ryan come on bro no it's funny because i posted those jerseys and somebody commented on it and said it's funny how the fans can create better jerseys than the, the team itself and i couldn't agree more i've seen so many different mock-ups where it's like how you know why couldn't we have just picked one of these <laughs> right. and uh i don't know if you you've seen the that they're surveying fans now have you caught any wind of what they've been surveying on, or are you totally in the dark on that? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I went to the game before they started doing the surveys, which sucks. Um, yeah. But it uh, sounds like every game for a little bit, I, I, don't, I don't know what their window is, but um, they'll be surveying uh, fans in the arena at the game to show some different mock-ups. And a lot of the mock-ups sounds like lots of purple, lots of mountains, different renditions. Um, from what was explained on Twitter, I didn't love what was being explained. It almost sounds like there's a couple that are integrating the jazz note and the mountain into one Jersey. And, you know, we're, we're, we're as clashes. simple as it gets now. Yeah. It seems a little clashy. So I don't know. I, I trust the organization. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens, but you know, I, I it's hard to get worse than where we're at now personally, I think, but yeah. But, you know well we had a we had a fan on from finland last podcast and we were talking about lowry of course and he's like yeah i got my jersey on the way i think tevin asked him what one did you get and he said oh the purple one with mountains and he said yeah i just don't like any of the other ones so it's not just a thing in america and uh unfortunately i think we're stuck with him for one more year but um, I want to get back into the game. Lannon, I appreciate you jumping on. You can um, just leave your speaker muted, and then we kind of, the more that we get people approved, you can kind of just chime in whenever you want. Um, Dallin, I want to go to you if you're if you're there or JC's drip. The, I mean, it's kind of a weird game to even talk about it. I don't, <laughs> it feels like there's not a lot to talk about, but uh you know, D'Angelo Russell goes off. Uh, Gobert has a good game. But you you can't help but think if we have Lowry, even just Lowry with Mike Conley back, we win that game. But if you have Colin Sexton um, and Simone Fontecchio, that adds to your depth. But uh, what is your thoughts, JC Drip? I just, just approved you. 
educate the people. Can you hear me? Yeah, man. Hey, um, you're right. It's kind of, I mean, it is a weird game because there's not much to talk about, although it's Rudy's return. So there should be more to talk about, but just kind of the way the game ended uh, was really weird. A lot of momentum um, shifts. I was talking to my dad. It was like a two-point game, and then 30 seconds later, it's an eight-point game. And then we cut it back down to two, and then they went back up eight again. Um, I tweeted this earlier, I think. You know, if we had Lowry, uh, this is a win. But also, I think, you know, with Lowry out, even if we had Fontecchio tonight um, to play those minutes for Gay, I think we would win too because, you know, we'd have momentum um, some periods throughout the game. And Rudy Gay's flat-ass jump shot, (laughs) bricking every single shot. um, It just killed our momentum. It killed our our rhythm. So uh, I think those are shots that Fontecchio makes. And I I think, you know, I think we pull it out or at least, you know, lose by less than four if we're going to lose if we did have Fontecchio in the game. Yeah, watching watching Mike come back, uh, like he's really good, but I the whole time I'm just like, if he has Lowry there to run a pick and roll, they score like every single time because Lowry, Lowry can just he understands how to run the pick and roll, but he can shoot it um, outside if he needs to or go inside. So, um, but e- even just having Sexton or Fontecchio, like the thing with Fontecchio and Gay is. Even if Fontecchio is missing his shots, I just feel like he brings more energy and more enthusiasm when he's in the game. I actually don't think he's that bad of a defender. Um, There's some people that would argue and say that Rudy Gay is very efficient, and when he's on the floor, um, our net rating is up. But uh, I, I think most Jazz fans are just frustrated with him because he, he's not going to be part of the future going forward. Um, Colin it only comes out the first game, like his first return from injury, first game of the season, whatever it might be. And then for the rest of the season, he fades. And the other thing I wanted to say too, I know Kessler had a bad game. Like you said, probably the worst of the season. Um, but I liked, um, seeing Conley run minutes with Kessler that, uh, yeah. pick and roll with, um, Kessler's dive dunk was nice to watch. And I think, I think that maybe not the future, with Conley and Kessler, but, um, you know, to have Kessler in the game with a, with a ball handler, with a pick and roll guard, um, is really helpful for him. And, you know, it's, you know, it's something to take away from the game. It was just nice to see. Yeah. I think the more minutes they get together, uh, they'll get some chemistry and, and figure that out. It, you know, it took a while for him and Rudy Gobert to, to get that lob going and understand <clears throat> where they're going to roll to and, and what their tendencies are. Um, Colin, let's go over to you. I would love, I want to hit on Vanderbilt. I don't know if, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say anything, but, uh, I'd love Colin, if you talk about Vanderbilt, but if you don't want to, you can talk about something else. If your heart is just burning on fire. <laughs> I'll, let, <laughs> I'll let you talk about Vando because obviously it seems like there's something you want to talk about Vando, but I did join late. I wanted to talk about that last possession with the Rudy Gobert dunk, and I'm sure you guys already talked about it, but I wanted to give my two cents. Um, I think it's funny that um, whether it's – this is a big thing in baseball, unwritten rules, um, and I hate them. 
God, I hate unwritten rules. <laughs> it is so dumb to say that there is an unwritten rule out of respect when you are a professional player making <laughs> millions of dollars a year. Who gives a F if Rudy Gobert wants to dunk the ball at the end of the game? Who cares? Go sleep in your mansion at the end of the day and forget about it the next morning. <laughs> it's so stupid to me that these players complain about a dunk. Who cares about two points? Let them have it. Who, let them have it. The same thing happened. The same thing <laughs> happened tonight in uh, with the Pelicans. Um, the Suns gave up early down the fifteen, and they passed it to Zion. And Zion did a three sixty windmill dunk. And you know what? It was fun to watch. And the pan the fans are paying hundreds of dollars for tickets. They should get to see that. And they think about it, the fact that they don't get to see it because there's some unwritten rule in in basketball. I screw that. But I did also want to say. Imagine if that was Donovan Mitchell, and what would what would Twitter be doing right now if that was Donovan Mitchell making that dunk at the end of the game? All he- it would be chaos right now. Yeah, I think that unwritten rule is kind of old school. I mean, I guess if it's like in the playoffs or like you're up by twenty points, just blowing a team out. But if I I'm not mad about it. I think the announcers Bowler Jack and they're like and uh, Thurl. Said, oh, Rudy would have been done himself a favor not shooting that. And and then Malik Beasley gets in his face. And honestly, I just think Malik Beasley wanted to uh, get on ESPN somehow. I don't know. And uh, get get on get on TV. But it's like, dude, yeah, I agree with you. It's it's nothing. And no nobody should be upset that Rudy finished that. It's like, just be happy for the guy to get two extra points. Yep. I, I, uh, I just I've. I hate it because it's just it's just rich people getting their egos hurt. That's what I see it as. <laughs> like I love the players, I love Malik Beasley, but at the end of the day, dude, you're a millionaire. Who cares? Who cares? It's not that big of a deal. You're okay. Yeah, you're it's gonna still be gonna okay. show up as a loss and a win for yeah. Minnesota. It makes no difference. I'm gonna He's... totally disagree with you. Uh oh, uh oh, really? Kevin's in really? the house. So here's Come the on, thing. Kevin. Here's the thing. Millionaires, you're right. What does it matter? But these are the guys that I want to be role models for my kid, and I want my kid to learn good sportsmanship. And I don't think that that's good sportsmanship because it's unnecessary. Like from a like millionaire, like NBA team, whatnot. Totally get that. But that like that's my drawback is I don't think it's very sportsmanlike. And and I've seen some pretty big brawls in lower level basketball like high school and lower level break out because of silly little things like that well i will say this i think that at any other level even college i think it's people shouldn't do it but i think that and i understand your point about your kids watching professionals and i'm not going to say that um like i'm not going to say that like you're wrong because you're not wrong like kids do look up to these guys but I'm I'm saying it more of a sense is like I don't think any of the fans were upset tonight, it, like or very few were. It was mainly mainly the play, like it's mainly like a player thing. It's like a mainly like yeah. a player to player thing, and I think it's kind of like silly. I just to me like no, I, no, I agree just, with that. Like, like I, don't, I don't disagree on that one, but I I don't I don't, I don't like even a hundred percent disagree with you. I just the the rule where the rule comes from. I understand, and I can sympathize with where the rule comes from. 
Because at the end of the day, you need to teach your kid how to act. Like, he shouldn't yeah. be acting like Rudy Gobert or whatnot. So, I mean, it's on the page. Yeah, and but, what I would say is... But like, I understand where the rule comes from, and I don't, I'm not upset where it comes from, but it is a little dumb that this that Beasley's getting all up in his face like Rudy Gobert just disgraced his whole family. Yeah. Yeah. What I will say is, um, like, the did y'all see the Zion dunk at the end of the game tonight? I didn't. Did see that? He did, like, a 360 windmill dunk, and they were already up, like, 20 or something like that and it was in the final seconds of the game to like be to run out the clock basically were they in new orleans uh yeah they were in new orleans and so i was gonna say i was like imagine how cool that was for the fans just watch that at the end of the game to cap off a big win against a, a good a good Suns team i was like that's awesome to me like that's really cool like to see your to see your uh young supposed to be franchise player who was injured for the longest time go 10 feet up in the air 360 and slam at home to to emphasize a win like i'd be like wow I, like if i was there i'd be like this is this is cool you know um did you see, did you see so, what utah as put in the, the comments i think that that i forgot about that what it is um when they when they the quote from uh, minnesota's coach like you don't want oh, that yeah stuff? don't press us when you know we're up 10 points and he, he's right like he is right like, about that they were up. Utah was up in their faces. So yeah, I mean, we were still trying to get a steal and make it a game. Yeah. Dude, also, don't, don't get butt no, hurt when you press them and they score on you. Like, also, I forgot we, about that. We should go back to the uh, Utah versus Minnesota game in Minnesota, where Vando did the same thing. It wasn't ten points, but the game was already won. He had yeah. the ball in his hand with two seconds left, and he decided to slam it, hang on the rim, and like emphasize a dub and start screaming into the crowd, like you know. Yeah, I think it totally thing. depends on your intent of, of scoring because there are situations where someone dunks it just to shove it in the other person's face. Um, Zion obviously was probably just trying to put a show on for the home crowd. Uh-huh. Had Zion been on the road, maybe it is taken totally different. But yeah, um, I understand that too. If it was on the road, I, if I was on the road, I'm like, well, whatever. Like. But when it's at home, I think it's a little bit different. Yeah, I don't think the intent of Rudy Gobert was to do that at all. I mean, he's wide open under the basket, gets thrown the ball, and he dunked it. But it wasn't like he hung on the rim or tried to rip the rim off. It it was just... He did a little bit. He just dunked it. And, and yeah, I I, I don't know. I wouldn't make anything of it. So No, yeah, um, I don't either. He was probably just trying to put a show on for his fans. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm I'm in Utah. Maybe he forgot for a split second that he was on another team. (laughs) You know what? You know what? And I loved it. I think that Rudy should be able to dunk that ball. That's all all I'm saying. And I think... I I think that um, you know whenever you talk to your kids about that kind of stuff, like kind of just emphasize the professional from the non-professional, and, and you know, here's, I mean, here's if you're worried about your kids watching uh, and sportsmanship, the thing that I'm truly worried about with with all professional sports, and this comes from coaching junior high and high school because I saw it all the time. You you get your these players celebrating after every little single thing they do, especially like in the NFL when they make a tackle and they start dancing around. It's like, congratulations, you did your job. And that's, to me, what little kids are watching more than maybe, you know, who's who's scoring the last point, the last second. Like, I can't tell you how many times players – 
that I coached would start celebrating before the game was over, and then it would cost us the game because they wanted to do the Dougie or whatever the latest dance yep. is on the court. And that's very true for the NFL. The NFL is actually really funny with that kind of stuff. I think in college football, uh, players will celebrate after they give up a first down just because they hit a player hard. I think even that Cam Rising hit was after a first down, and then the defender yeah. started flexing. I was like, dude, you gave up the first down. Why are you flexing? You didn't do your job. Yeah. Like you just hit, you hit him hard, but you didn't do your job. Yeah. It that happens kind of all the time. And you know, maybe it makes a good play, but it's like, you're down by how many points or, you know, you, you totally messed up the play before that. And now you're bragging about how great it was to score two points or whatever. So anyways, that that's what I, I'm worried about as like a dad and for the youth is just the way that these professional athletes act after doing something that's not that great. Um, I want to go back to the Vanderbilt because sometimes I feel like I'm on an island as far as Vanderbilt, and I want to get your guys' opinion. But to me, oh, you are. to me, the dude, like I tweeted out tonight, Van. I, I stopped calling him Vando uh, because I felt like he doesn't even – that's like – kind of a nickname and he doesn't deserve a nickname and then i started calling him vanderbilt but then i like it's not even worth tech you know writing his name out fully spelled so then i just started saying number eight <laughs> and uh i i tweeted out tonight number eight plays defense like a gummy worm and what i mean by that is anytime he gets touched he's just so soft like he 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 doesn't it's almost like he doesn't like to be touched. Um, like, you know, the people that don't like to be hugged or anything. It's almost like that. And the other point is he seems like he's on the ground about every other play. Um, and I, 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 just, I just can't figure it out. So uh, we got one. Dude, I warned you. I warned you at the beginning of the season when he had those, like, first six games and you were, like, screaming his name. I told you he's yeah. not that good, and that's like your problem now is you're realizing who he really is, and you're eating that crow. Yeah, I, I was super high on him. I was like, man, I can't believe we got this guy and Beasley and Kessler, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely eating crow because I thought he was going to be like one of the main players. Um, we have the Exum Index. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that you still have Exum as your profile picture. That's hilarious. Um, but he just requested to speak. So we're going to turn the, the mic over to the Exum index. Are you there? I'm here. Um, I think, I don't know. I don't really know how much <coughs> to comment on Vanderbilt after this game, but in the beginning of the season, when he seemed like he was doing his best, for some reason, the comp that came to my head was Robert Williams in terms of everybody talking about that, like, quote-unquote, roving big man, you know, who's, like, out there to not necessarily face the floor, but out there for, like, defensive pressure. And I guess maybe I haven't necessarily seen him in that position, but his minutes have been tweaked lately, so I guess I don't know exactly how to bring that up. But I thought it made a lot of sense, at least when he was in the starting lineup and he was like the non-shooting big man if that makes sense yeah yeah and he, he didn't start tonight um i i mean if he was robert williams that would be awesome but i i don't know i just don't think his shooting 
is is there. Um, he actually doesn't have a bad shot. I don't think his shot's broken or anything, but I just think mentally he he can't be relied upon for that. No, I think that's totally fair. I think what we really saw a lot tonight was that we could have really used Lowry, somebody that was yes. higher and more above, like, you know, the wingspans of the, you know, a lot of the Timberwolves defenders, and that would have probably really clearly helped us out. But yeah. I'm team tight out anyway, so I'm, I'm happy with tonight. I wish Armani was in here because he's, he's the guy that always says get Lowry the damn ball and uh... – Tonight it was it was evident that we missed Lowry, even though we got Mike back. Like you got to have a healthy team, and we just didn't. Um, the other player I wanted to hit on too is Nah. He gets the start, and he goes uh, four for eight from the field, two for four from the three point line. Uh, not great from the the free throw line. He he shot thirty three percent, but he only shot three, and then. Finished with 11 points, four assists, one steal, um, four rebounds. What What do you guys think of Na? Is he, like, in your mind, the better point guard over THT? Yeah, hands down. I don't think THT can hold. I mean, THT can get to the brim better. I think uh, THT has the ability to drive the hoop and finish at the rim better but I definitely prefer Nas' shot, and I definitely think Nas sees the floor better. I mean, that pass that he made, not tonight, but the night before, Yeah. to freaking Beasley. Yeah, that three-point. THT ain't doing that. THT is going to dunk it, and then he's going to celebrate, and then he's not going to get back on defense, and we're going to lose that game. Yeah, I agree. Um, it. I think the thing right now that I'm – kind of observing is I think THT has ability and and there was a stretch there where we saw him kind of breaking out of his shell and figuring things out but I, I feel like the lineup switches so much maybe that's because there's been so many injuries early on maybe it's because coach is just trying to figure things out but I, I feel like P- players especially these younger players lose confidence quickly when uh let's let's say THT doesn't play an entire two games in a row or only gets 5 minutes um is this is it something to worry about or is it just they're young players and it's their job to figure it out I know you're really high on THT you said many times like he's the only player on our team with any championship experience and whatnot. But I don't know. I just think he is who he is at this, at this point. I think he needs to drop another 25 pounds, get in a little bit better shape, work on his shot. Otherwise he's just a fringe player at best. I don't, I don't think he's ever a starter. I think he's maybe a decent backup, but I just, I don't know. I don't think he's going to get much past what he is at, if he, if he can't do it in Utah, I don't think he's going to do it anywhere else. Maybe he can go play with Butler in Iowa. <laughs> Anybody else have thoughts on it? I would say I I won't say I'm high on THT. I, I think it's a good battle going on between him and Na. Um, I think for each player, there's just going to be times 
where you can use them both. I think the thing with Na that is much more impressive um, than THT is he's just always ready. I, I don't think you have to worry about him and his confidence. He's been in the league a little bit longer and maybe uh, is relishing the moment a bit more. Like he's been waiting for this moment a lot longer to get his shot. Um, I think Nas defense and, and his energy is excellent. Uh, I actually think THT's defense is good too against certain players like Luca or someone with a bigger body. But, uh, yeah, it's interest it's it's interesting to me, especially with, you know, Colin Sexton or Mike Conley out, who is that next guy up? And maybe when Conley and Mike might get healed, we're not gonna see either one of them, frankly. Um the other player that I really wanna see more of, because I feel like he hasn't hit his rhythm yet or um gotten a fair shot is Ochai. And uh I felt like he played a solid game. The the one thing that stood out was the three in the corner, but uh, nothing like crazy. But what do you guys feel about Ochai, what we've seen so far? Totally with you. Um, <clears throat> obviously that three. I mean, like, with the opportunity that he's given, he doesn't have enough time um, to get in, into his rhythm. But defensively, like, he's got really long arms. He had that stop, I think. I don't know if really anyone noticed it, but he had that stop on um, Nas Reed on his drive. Yeah, yeah. The ball free. It's little things like that that's, you know, why I'm so high on Ochai. Um, but I think this roster is so deep. I think, you know, whatever minutes that he's getting so far, I think that's what we're going to see for, for the rest of the season. Hopefully not, but that's just how I feel. Yeah, and if you go back and watch the game that we won by point last game, he actually set a really good screen for Malik Beasley to get that open three-point shot that was uh, passed out by Nas. So I think he does do these little tiny things that go unnoticed, and unless you're really hyper-focused in on what he's doing, I think most people don't notice um, but I'm glad you brought that point up that, that, you know, there's, there's tiny little stuff that, uh, if he could get more minutes and get a little more confidence, maybe that stuff, that tiny stuff will turn into big stuff. Um, we play again tomorrow night in Denver. Just, I know, I, I think we split this six, six game homestand. Did we go three and three? Am I right? I think so. I'll check in, but I think you're right. I believe we did. Yep, we went three and three. So, I mean, I expected us to at least win four, if not five. Um, so kind of disappointing homestand. I think that the injuries definitely played a part in, in that. But we go once again. I didn't know that we ended this homestand by going to Denver on a back-to-back. Crazy. I think this will be our eighth or ninth. I think I want to say eighth back to back out of 13. Um, so it'll be nice to just get these back to backs out of the way. Denver won last night uh, against Phoenix with a last second shot by Jamal Murray. <laughs> uh, and so it, it just feels like the, the entire West is so jumbled right now. Um, with the loss tonight, the Jazz fall to seventh before the game where they were in sixth place. But they're only three and a half games out of first place, and but they're also uh, only th- what four games? Th- uh, 
three and a half games out of 13th place where the Los Angeles Lakers are. So we're just sitting there in that middle ground. We could tank if we want to still. We could, if we really want to make a push when we're healthy, go back to the top four in the West, I feel. But, uh, Kevin, I know you hit on this a lot with with being mediocre, and I don't think there's a more mediocre team than the Timberwolves, to be honest. Jordan, real quick, I just want to get your opinion. What do you want out of this season? It's something that I've been thinking about because you want to succeed. Do you do you want to like you know, for the future and like get these guys minutes and experience, or are you on like the tank train? I don't think you are, but, but how do you feel about the season so far? And what do you want for the rest of the season? I think at the beginning of the season, I was definitely wanting to win. I wasn't with the tank at all. Then once Mike went out and we started losing, I'm like, okay, d- does it kind of make sense? And honestly, I would say I'm confused. <laughs> I'm confused on what to do um, because it, it's almost like if we were to, to, to try and win and win a first series, I, the only way I'd want to win is if like we're serious about winning the first series just to get the bad taste out of our mouth of the last few years. We'd have to be 100 complete or 100% healthy on all fronts in order to even have a chance. And, uh, I, I mean, it could happen, but a lot of the times there's injuries and, um, we see how badly they hurt us. Obviously to me, if you're going to, going to win, you need Conley and Lowry in order to do anything. And if either one of those two are hurt, or can't play a majority of the season, I would lean towards tanking. Are you a buyer or seller at the trade deadline? Oh, we got, I think, I think the jazz are for sure making a trade by the debt trade deadline. That's what my gut tells me. But are you buying to succeed the playoffs or are you selling for the future? I would just say that it depends on what the deal is. Like if you can land a a really good player that you see the future being around, then great. If you can offload uh, some contracts like Rudy Gay, uh, maybe even Conley to get some money or other draft picks, like I'm fine either way. I just want a trade to make sense for us and what we give away. So I was, I was talking to my buddy about this the other day because, uh, you know, he wants to buy at the trade line, and he's pretty convinced of that. And we got talking about, you know, if we buy at the trade line, is it a is it a one-year thing, a two-year thing? Is it a five-year thing? Like, like who are we getting that can, helps us to continue to progress? And we got looking at the roster, and, and, and kind of the scary thing is, is if we buy at the deadline, it just kind of delays the rebuild. The rebuild still comes in, an, in, in probably another year or two. It is Conley's contract expires, um, the chance of potentially losing JC, which I hope we don't. I'd like to keep him a little bit longer. You know, Gay then leave, is leaving, and if we don't get anything for him, then we've lost for that, like we just have a lot of contracts that are up in the next two years. So if we buy, are we buying an all in this year 
like who are we buying that's going to get us out of the first round yet continue to make us better for the next three to five years? John Collins? Trick question mark? Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe John Collins. I mean, if the price isn't too heavy, yeah. but you get a player like that, how many picks are we giving up? Because I, I've been thinking about this for a while. I just, I really just want a yes or no from you guys. Uh, Kelly Olenek, Vanderbilt, uh, Colin Sexton, and a late, uh, let's see, 2027 maybe, first-round pick. Ooh, for for Collins? For Collins and maybe another one on the box. No. Yeah, I, I would say I'd be okay with Vanderbilt and Olenek. I, I personally wouldn't give up on Sexton yet. Um, I think you could, if he gets back to... F- his form before his injury that he could be worth more than that. Um, given given Collins' value, I don't think he's worth more than Laurie in a first. I think you give him anything more than Laurie in a first, and you're overpaying. Yeah, at least the way Laurie's been playing recently, because Laurie's outplaying Collins. He's outplaying what Collins has ever done in in Atlanta. So you're giving up a player who is a better shooter. Not as athletic. Both are about the same defensively. And and Collins has been. I was going to say Collins has perpetually been on the trade block. Like I think of him as Miles Turner one point five. Honestly, yeah. Like it's the same thing. He's just on the block for forever. Everybody assumes that he's going to get a first round pick. I think that they are expecting that pick to be good and it's not really panning out that way in every conversation that they have. That's just my assumption. I have no idea, but I I don't see the need to overpay for John Collins. And I know there's been interest from the jazz, at least reported on John Collins, but I think it's just like checking out the price point and kind of seeing like, Hey, are they still like absurd and thinking? I mean, it's their big leverage play. I mean, they don't really want to trade Deandre Hunter because of all this upside, but John Collins is, they're happy to, you know, lure him. Well, and someone else, I mean, if you throw in a Linux and Vanderbilt, I could see that working for Atlanta, but then, you know, you've got these other players that might make more sense than throwing in Conley or Sexton, where you could throw in Rudy Gay or THT or nah, um, to give them a little something extra, but yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't overpay for John Collins either. He's someone that I would want on the team. I think he would fill Vanderbilt's spot incredibly well and do much better. I know his numbers have dropped off a little bit recently, but honestly, I think he wants out of out of Atlanta. And uh, quite frankly, Atlanta needs to make a move. They there's too many good teams in the East for them to even be competing, even after they got Dejounte Murray. Like the Celtics are just. The Celtics are by far the favorite. They're just they're running away with the East, and then you got the Celtics, Seventy Sixers, Milwaukee. Uh, I just I just don't think Atlanta can beat any of those teams. But I also don't think anything short of Laurie and maybe like Beasley and JC gets them to compete with the, the Celtics, and they're yeah. not going to give up enough in my mind to get three of those caliber players from us. Yeah. I I would not give up Lowry for Collins. No way. No way. All right. Well, that's why I think we're, that's why I honestly truly think we're sellers at the trade line or we just stand pat. 
which if we stand pat and we end up making the playoffs and losing the first round, in my mind, this season will be a, a, a loss. Like, I, I don't see how there's any positive from that. Yeah, I, I uh, personally think there's going to be a trade because I think there's going to be other teams throughout the league that want to make a move by the tread deadline to be competitive. And I, I think Danny will put something together could be dead wrong, but I just, I just think that that's going to happen, especially after he's been able to see a sample size of who can do what and where they're going to fit in this team. I'm sure he sees the holes and the needs. Obviously our rebounding is just abysmal, man. I, I, I can't take it in the, the transition defense. But um, anyways, we're gonna yeah. be we're gonna be back at it tomorrow night. Uh, we are in Denver. Um, honestly, if we don't get our guys back, I don't think we have a shot at all. What do you guys think? Thousand percent. No, Lowry is a loss, and it's on a you know back to back. So yeah, and yeah, it, it's gonna be really really rough. Um, like we got lucky that. Djokovic wasn't tuned up yet when we played him last time. Or, he's, been on a, he's, he's been on a roll recently. Yeah, and Jamal Murray, been, too. Yeah, it, both of those guys could potentially put 30 up on us, and it'll be terrifying. Well, uh, disappointing night. I, I want, really wanted to go to the game. I'm kind of glad I didn't because it was just a snooze fest, <laughs> quite honestly. And, uh, I'm excited to get Lowry back. I don't know what he has. I was pretty unexpected that he hasn't played the last couple games. And uh, if you guys are listening from anywhere else in the world, make sure you follow us on Twitter and join these spaces live. Uh, that's been some of the funnest stuff we've done with fans in Uruguay and Finland. I know we've got people in France, Germany, Italy. There's actually like 20... I want to say 28 or 29 different countries that listen to the podcast, which is incredible. Um, I'll have to name them off one day when, when I have the entire list. But it's really cool that the podcast reaches uh, fans that are not in the United States and maybe don't have easy as, of access to the team as we do here in Utah. Um, and we've got, you know, Colin on the East Coast. Uh we usually have Armani. I think he's in Utah. Calvin's not here. And I'm in California. It, sorry? I'm in California. California. So, yeah, yes, we're, we're coast to coast, man. We're worldwide. But, uh, Dallin, I, I see you in there lurking, bro. Um, usually you talk. I don't know. Are your five kids keeping you off the mic tonight? He's probably driving the night. He's like, I don't. He's like, I'm not even gonna try and request or type back. So, uh, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate you guys again. This podcast is nothing without you guys. It. Oh, 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 uh oh. Now, Dallin requests. Here we go. Talk to us, man. What? What's going on? Oh, it's connecting. Yeah, he's probably on the road. I'm trying to block him. Oh yeah, no, I can't. <laughs> I'm not on the road. I've I've been listening the whole time. Um, yeah, just disappointing night. Not not really anything. JC had a pretty horrible game, but uh, I mean, he didn't hit a single three. And um, 
yeah, and we're going to get slaughtered in Denver tomorrow night, so. Yeah, it'll be, if we pull that off, I don't know, we're going to have to pull off some trapping zone or something. <laughs> so, uh, well, I appreciate it. Uh, Dallin, I'm glad that you're awake and alive. I, I heard your kids in the background, so I'm sure they're keeping you busy. But uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow night. And uh, go Jazz. We fall to 15 and 13. We are now just barely above 500, seventh place in the Western Conference. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Peace out. Peace.